you're listening to this, it's probably because you already know me from my work as a jewellery and fashion designer, or from my recent appearance on The Great British Sewing Bee, a popular UK TV show. If there's one thing I'm more passionate about than my own creative work as a designer and maker, it's helping other creators and makers connect to and fulfil their life's purpose, so that you too can live a life of creativity, meaning and joy. I'm Nicole, and this is Akong. In today's episode, I thought we would start at, well, the beginning. (laughs) I've had a few questions come through Instagram to do with being in that very first stage of thinking about a business or thinking about starting a business. I've had a question to do with how do you get an idea for business? And for the questions around, you got so many ideas, how do you decide where to start or which one to focus on? The first thing I'm going to say is I completely sympathise with where you are. (laughs) I was there once. In fact, before I started my jewellery line, just a few months before, I was on maternity leave with my first son and I had left my corporate job at that point to go on maternity leave. And in my heart, I knew that I didn't want to go back. I knew it was going to be make or break time and I knew it was time for me to start my own business. But I didn't actually know exactly what I wanted to do. I didn't know what business idea I wanted to pursue. During that time, I did a lot of going to seminars, a lot of looking online, just trying to find the clues and trying to find the answer to where I started looking around for this idea for business that was going to be my big ticket out of corporate life. And what you see a lot is people saying things like, well, find a niche, you know, find some, find a gap in the market, find somewhere where you can serve. And all those things are true. But actually what I found was lacking was the whole question of, well, which idea is right for me? Which space is right for me? Because following that strategy, I came up with loads of business ideas, actually, things that I thought were gaps in the market. I mean, for example, at the time I had a newborn baby and I was at the point where, not newborn, but he was a few months on and getting to the point where he was weaning and, you know, he did the whole pureeing of vegetables and fruits and whatnot. And I kind of thought to myself, actually, what would be great would be to have, in, you know, in the freezer section of supermarkets where you buy your fresh frozen vegetables and so on, to have those ice cube tray sized cubes of pureed organic fruit and veg. You know, it's like what you do at home, but actually just a frozen version that you can buy in the supermarket, which will save so much time. Especially, you know, you don't when you're trying babies with new things, you don't know what they're going to like, what they're going to not like, and you end up making a whole batch of something that they end up rejecting, right? And, you know, I actually went down the path of trying to source a supplier who might be able to help me create this product and all that. And, you know, it, it's, and I have various other stories, by the way, so many business ideas that I had explored, even some I took to business plan, uh, you know, as far as business plans. But then when I stopped to really examine, you know, is this, does that feel right for me? Can I see myself in that business? You know, like, you know, at one point I told myself, well, it doesn't have to be something I'd love to do. I think as long as it's a thriving business and it's something that I can make money from, then maybe it's a stepping stone into then starting a business that I can feel passionate about. You know, my passion was always making and, and, and you know, being creative and having a, a frozen baby food business is not <laughs> the epitome of creativity, right? But for me, it was just, I, I told myself, start somewhere and then make a success of that and then you can go on and do whatever else you want to do. But, you know, what I really came to realise was, you know, there's obviously no right or wrong answers and that strategy might be all right for somebody. 
But for me, who someone who has a very, very strong creative calling, and I, I finally woke up to that. I finally woke up to the fact that if I was going to spend that much time making something work, and trust me, whatever business you start is going to take work. <laughs> it is not something that will become an overnight success. I mean, you know, any business you see that looks like it's an overnight success, you look back into their history, and they've probably been going for two years or more. And... It, it it does take dedication and you have to be prepared to do what it takes. So for me, there was this missing bit of the puzzle to do with actually where, what do I bring and where is my bliss? Because that bliss, that thing that gives you joy and sustains you is the thing that's going to keep you going when business gets hard. <laughs> you know, the starting up stages can feel really sloggy because it's just you, chances are. You know, you may not have all this capital and reserves and to, to, to employ people and to get all the help you need. There's so much you need to do by yourself. And so, you know, I would say from my own experience, right, what I'd say to anyone now is really identify where your bliss lies. I really believe that your bliss, I call it your bliss, but you might call it your passion, your joy, your thing, you know, whatever that thing is that you do, that you would do without even being paid for, you know, and actually if you're a sewer, if you're a designer, if you are into music, you know, whatever your thing is, there's a reason that you can do this thing and, and feel like you can just do it forever, you know, like time just stops. And you're given that gift for a reason. You're given that bliss for a reason. And I, I honestly have come to believe that that is the key to unlocking so much of your life's purpose and so much of the fulfillment that you're here to do in life. I'll say that's stage one. Stage one is really doing that inner work where you begin to reflect on actually where is my bliss in this world? You know, what is that thing that sustains me? You know, I talk about things that sustain and things that drain. Really think about the things that really sustain you and give you joy, you know, and, and, and hold on to that, right? So so that's, I think, stage one. And if you don't know what that thing is yet, by the way, spend a bit of time really trying to get to know what that thing is. It will be so worthwhile. You will save yourself so much frustration and heartache, actually, because I think unless you start to do work that is congruent with what you came here to do, I think you will always feel that itch. You'll always feel that little bit unfulfilled and like life, there's a space in your life that just feels empty, right? Look back to the times when you felt in your life most liberated and most a joy, you know, like the clues will be there. Life will be telling you all along what it is you're here to do, right? But it might take you a bit of work to unpeel those layers and to really get back and connect to that. So that's the first thing. The second part of the puzzle, if you think about it as a Venn diagram, so here in one bubble, you have your bliss, right? Your thing, the thing you're here to do, your gift, your talent, what you feel you have to give, right? And what sustains you. In the next bubble is what I call reading the room. And it's about looking around at the world as it is. It's about looking around at what's going on around you in quite an objective way to understand where you might be able to plug in and contribute that thing you love to do into a space where it's needed. What I see a lot is people starting off, especially with creative businesses, you you love to make this thing or you love to do this thing and you put it out there into what is most likely a very crowded market space, which is entirely saturated with people doing exactly the same thing. 
and wondering why you're not getting any traction, why you're not getting any sales, why you're not being seen. And it's because you are not necessarily offering your gift or your service where it is most needed. I think if this COVID pandemic has taught us anything, it's about the importance of being responsive to the world as it's developing around us and not just trying to shoehorn what you want to do into a marketplace or an atmosphere that just doesn't need it in that form right now. So it's about asking yourself questions like, with what I know I am here to give and looking at the world and the environment around me and seeing what is happening, where can I best step into this space and contribute what I have to give so that it offers the most value and is the most gratefully received. It really is as simple as that, but remember that you may have to spend a bit of time really getting down to the deeper levels of this question, because when you just ask it on a surface level, you will only get the same surface level answers that everybody else gets to. So really ask yourself this question with a totally open mind. Think laterally, and as broadly as possible, because the answer might be lying somewhere where you would not have expected having just asked this question on a surface level. The deeper you really go into this question, the more specific you will get to your niche and where you are meant to be. I'll give you an example. So when I started the jewellery line, I started from a point of, okay, my bliss is making, I love making jewellery, and I want to share that with the world. I know I have something special because everything I make, people comment on. And I made some very early sales and the everything to me was pointing to the direction of you have something special here, right? You have a gift for design and that that's it. So when I started the jewellery line, I didn't think very long and hard at the time about where my niche would be. When I was asked things like, well, who's your target customer? Who's the Yacon girl? I spewed off the same blanket thing that every other designer in the high fashion space says. It's she's fashion forward, she's professional, she, you know, she likes the finer things in life, you know, blah, 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 blah. But realistically, who is that woman? I didn't know who she was. I mean, I knew profile was demographically who she was, but did I know her? No. Did I feel like her? No. <laughs> And so there I was contributing my my gifts and my talents into an audience who, while a segment of them obviously did appreciate my work, it was such a, a sort of bombarded and saturated audience. You know, every single brand in the fashion space is marketing to that same woman, including me. Now, when I began to do a lot of my soul searching, when I came out of the jewellery and I was looking for my next move, I was looking for my next business idea and what I wanted to do next. And one of the things, actually, I had this light bulb moment where when I looked into what I felt I was really giving, because on surface level, what I was contributing was my design skill, right? But when I really examined it, actually, the best part of my job as a designer was when I was out doing my shows and I would have buyers coming to see my collections and that look on their face when they first saw the collections and they just like you can just see their eyes just opening and their brains kind of just like exploding like they were just they couldn't just take in the sumptuous feast that was what they were looking at and you know that is what I fed off of for me that is why I was doing it 
And what I began to realize actually was that what I was there to contribute or my biggest contribution was not the jewelry and the design. My biggest contribution was actually that feeling of inspiration. That was my gift. That is what a major, major aha was for me. And I tell you what, once I copped onto that realization that actually it's not even about the thing, it's not even about the jewelry, it's about me inspiring an audience, you know, what is me inspiring actually fellow creators. You know, I had so many lovely emails from designers who followed me who said I had inspired them, I'd inspired their work, I'd inspired them to create after going through a period of a rut or whatever. And for me, that was the biggest gift, that was the biggest reward. I mean, I felt so much more fulfilled receiving an email like that than necessarily receiving an email that someone's purchased a piece of my jewelry. And I know, I know that sounds weird, but that that is what uplifted me. And so I began to realize that actually, if I were to go into this whole business of fashion and, and selling a product again, which I was thinking about with the clothing, one thing I knew was that I didn't want to go back into that route of selling the clothing and doing a, a fashion line and all the rest of it that I had done before with the jewelry. You know, I I began to realize that if if inspiration was what I was here to give and to contribute, where is that most needed? And it just so happened that when the sewing bee happened and I connected with this whole audience of, of fellow sewers and crafters, you know, I began to realize actually that there's a huge amount of that that I can contribute to that space. You know, I feel like me contributing inspiration to the space of, of uh, retail buyers or, or, you know, that, that sort of professional customer who's got tons of disposable income to spend on fashion, I could do that, but that that whole place is saturated. You know, for me, what I could bring to the whole home sewing market, you know, that, that visionary design eye that I have, that way I combine materials, the way I put things together that could really inspire people who sew at home into elevating their own sewing. You know, that was when the light bulb moment went off for me. And actually that is what changed, fundamentally changed the approach that I took with House of Akong. To me, it was not going to be another run-of-the-mill fashion design house. It was going to be a fashion house that serviced not only that ready-to-wear market, but for me, that's the less exciting part of it, actually. For me, the more exciting bit of it is providing that inspiration to people who sew at home and giving them the tools that they can, can create the things that I make for themselves at home. You know, so that was the big switch I had in my business and that would not have happened unless I dug deep into that question of where could my, what I'm here to bring, that sizzle that I have, you know, that skill, that talent, that oomph, where could that be most gratefully received? And once I was able to answer that question, it changed the entire course of my business. Now, I would say the third bubble to add to our little Venn diagram is where are you? What I see a lot is when people are starting off with an idea or starting off weighing up different business ideas, what happens is you, the, the, the big dream, you know, because there's no point going into a business without a big vision for it, right? The big dream, though, feels so huge and it feels so monumental and so far away and you need so many resources and you need people and you need money and all the things that you may not actually be accessing right now. And that can feel quite daunting. And actually, for a lot of people, that ends up meaning that they don't even start anything. So I always say to people, start where you are. You've got to believe that everything that you need to succeed, you already have. 
we fall into this trap of thinking, well, I, I'm not good enough, or I don't have enough money, or I don't have enough contacts, or whatever it is, you know, not enough, not enough, not enough. You need to start off believing that you have everything you need to succeed already, because you do. You would not be given a dream, you would not be given a bliss, you would not be given motivation to do something or idea to do something without the means to fulfil it. So rather than feel daunted and rather than feel um, crippled by the fact that you don't have resources, you don't have money, you don't have this or that, turn your mind always, and I do this with my kids all the time, it's like, all right, you understand the problem, what's the solution? And the solution isn't necessarily always more money or more contacts or more whatever it is. There's always a way to do something. And it's, it, the, the answer is about starting from where you are. So, for example, when I finally decided, actually, I was going to start this jewellery business, and that was off the back of me appreciating a few things, right, and coming to understand a few things, the things that were non-negotiable for me as far as what I wanted out of my lifestyle and what I wanted out of my business. Things like, I knew I wanted to work from home. I had a young baby and I, I mean, I'm a homebot anyway. I just love being at home. And I thought to have a home-based business for me was just ideal. I wanted to have something that I can start off small and uh, scale up if it went well. And if it didn't go well, well, I haven't really lost anything besides a bit of time and money. You know, so it's something I could start up even from my dining table, something I could start up from home that I didn't need premises. I didn't need big sets of equipment, you know, that I can, it, it was manageable and it's something I could do right now. So think about that as your third bubble as well. Like, what can I do right now with the time I have, with the resources I have, with the money I have, with the contacts I have? Start from where you are because there will be a place that you can start that from and gradually you will build it you know, but don't get daunted by the big thing. Just start off with the next immediate step. Once you had, once you've worked out, okay, well, here's my bliss. And the way to also think about that is, you know, what would I spend, want to spend most of my time doing? You know, actually, I'll tell you a beautiful question to ask yourself. If time and money were no issue, what would I do with my day? Whatever that is, think about that as a starting point for understanding your bliss. And once you have that. So there's, there's that bubble with your bliss. There's that bubble with who could most gratefully receive and accept your your what you have to give as far as what you con can contribute from your bliss. And then the final piece is how can I start connecting those things from where I am right now? It, it really isn't that hard, but what it, it will take a bit of inner work. And let's be real about that. This whole process of soul searching and getting to understand where that U-shaped space in the world is, where your your business, ultimately your best business success will lie, is going to take some inner work and for you to really explore all those questions and get to the answer that is right for you. The final tip that I have, if you are in the position where you are weighing up lots of different ideas and you're not sure exactly which route to go down, I can tell you something that I have done many times along my own journey, which is doing what I call best case scenario planning. <laughs> and it's a bit unorthodox because we actually spend a lot more time unconsciously doing worst case scenario planning that we don't actually realize that we can do the opposite consciously. And so what that involves is whatever business idea that you're weighing up, 
really look into the future of you being in that business and think about what the best case scenario is. So I'll give you two examples. One was when I was actually one of my last business ideas before I started with jewellery was opening a gelateria of all things, you know, a business that you would never in a million years associate with me. But again, I saw a little gap in the market. At the time I was on maternity leave, I was spending a lot of time in my local area of Crystal Palace, in the local coffee shops and cafes. And I thought to myself, God, this place could really do with a nice kind of baby friendly gelateria. There was nowhere to buy decent ice cream in Crystal Palace at the time. And I actually went as far as scouting premises. I wrote the business plan. I dragged my husband and then practically newborn child to the some far corner of England to look at equipment and to get training on how to make gelato, all the rest of it. Because I was going on the basis that I could see a gap in the market for it. I could see a need for it. What happened was when I wrote the business plan and I really sat down and thought, because I was about to go and get funding, right? I was about to go to a bank and, and apply for a, a business loan to get all the equipment and premises I needed. And something in me just stopped and said, you know, actually, what's the best case scenario here? Best case scenario is I open my gelateria. It looks amazing. It's full of customers. It's buzzing. But what I saw in that version of my future was me working seven days a week on premises, uh, more, uh, cleaning toilets, mopping floors, you know, just working flat out and working really, really hard and hardly being at home. And actually one massive no non-negotiable for me in starting up the business was that I would be able to be at home with my baby and being flexible with my time. You know, that when my kids started school, I was able to just be at their assemblies and whatever it is, you know, I wanted to be at home and I wanted to be around and having a business that was that intensive on me out in some premises doing something that wasn't even giving me bliss. You know, when I looked into that version of my future, I thought, actually, I, I don't know if I want that, <laughs> you know, and actually I, I, I put that idea to bed because I thought that that is not a version of my future that I feel I can see myself being happy in. You know, the second example actually was more recent. It was when I came out to the jewelry line and I knew I wanted to, I'd reconnected with sewing and I knew I wanted to, well, not knew I wanted to. I, I, I felt that because I was doing so much sewing and I was creating all these amazing clothes, my natural thing was maybe I start up a fashion line. You know, I've, I've done it with the jewelry. I could do it again with clothing, right? And I actually went as far as creating a campaign on Kickstarter. Well, I, I started drafting a campaign on Kickstarter to get crowdfunding, to get money to start up. And I, I recorded the pitch video. I got a couple of friends involved to film it and help me do that. And I was actually in the midst of writing the pitch and getting ready to launch the campaign. And again, I felt this inner resistance. Something in me said, actually, Nicole, what, what, what is the best case scenario here? And when I looked into that version of my future and I thought, okay, well, best case scenario is I launch my Kickstarter campaign. I get inundated with pledges. I have thousands of people throwing money at me going, oh my God, I love what you're doing. Please. Yes. I want to have one. Here's my money. And I saw myself sitting on this mountain of orders which I would end up having to fulfill. And that actually made me feel quite terrified. And not because I didn't think I could do it, but what I saw was four to six months of my life being absorbed with uh, dealing with suppliers, dealing with factories, dealing with all these customers. None of that time would be spent actually doing anything creative, creating anything new. And so, 
I kind of realized actually I would have practically no bliss in all of that process. You know, yes, I might make some money, I might get this thing started, but I would be sacrificing so much of my bliss to do that thing. So that is another exercise you, I highly recommend if you're ever in a position where you're weighing up a decision or you're weighing up an idea or weighing up something to do, really look into that version of your future where the best case scenario is happening because that will actually tell you a lot. <laughs> you know, it will even tell you whether it's something you want or something you don't want. So there you go. Well, that's it. But before I wrap up this episode, I just want to leave you with a final word of encouragement. I know if you are in the position right now where you are questioning what you want to do next or weighing up business ideas and you feel like you don't know which way is up, I totally appreciate that it's a quite a frustrating time. I've been there, trust me. But what I want to say is also look at it as the start of quite an incredible journey and experience. Life has led you to this point for a reason. Really enjoy the process of getting to understand what your life is calling you to do, because that is effectively what this is. It is life reaching out to you and calling you in a certain direction. So take the time to be still, take the time to listen to what life is really telling you, because it is trying to tell you something. So really get still and tune into what is that thing that you feel life is calling you to. Because I tell you what, my friend, when you tap into that and you start listening and you start going into that direction, your life will change forever and for the better. So although you might feel in despair, I'm actually quite excited for you. <laughs> and I can't wait to hear where this journey leads you from here. Well, that's it for today. I really hope that you found that useful and I hope that I've answered your questions. Let's keep the dialogue going. You can find me on Instagram at Nicole underscore Akong. And please do feel free to leave me an early review. I mean, I probably like you, I'm not really a reviewer, <laughs> but you know, what the hell, right? Chuck a girl a bone here. Go ahead and leave me a review if you enjoyed this podcast and find me over on Instagram. Send me any questions you have that you'd like me to address in future episodes. My special thanks to Eleanor Franks 90, Sea Swimmer Sows and Nick Knox 80 for your questions. As we part ways for today, my friend, may you follow the path where your bliss goes and all abundance flows. Thank you for listening. Until next time.